The year is 1951. The town is Pont Saint-Esprit in southern France, just on the River Rhone. The world is embroiled in the Cold War, and Léonard Mounier is working as a postman in the country, torn apart from over a century of near-constant war. It is the middle of August, and on his way delivering letters in the warm summer morning, Léon's neighbor is violently ill outside of his home. He thinks nothing of it, works the day, and heads to bed later in the evening. Over the following days, more people become ill and begin exhibiting strange symptoms. Some believe they are soaring through the air, and others are violent with their loved ones. Everyone Leon meets is either bedridden with illness or has gone insane, but he has felt normal all week long. Or has he? Leon remembers the nausea he experienced the day after his neighbor was sick, followed by strange sensations as he delivered letters. Sensations like feeling lost in a fire with serpents coiling around him. Perhaps Leon himself is a mad one, or perhaps he has walked into a strange dimension. Perhaps Leon has entered the Left on Bread Zone. <laughs> You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. Your next stop... The Left on Red Zone. <laughs> That's good. It's like the Thank Twilight you. Zone. But, uh, yeah, the, yeah, it's like the classics. Right, but with a different, a different whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. What's up, man? Not much. What's going on, dude? Um, not much. I uh, was just playing some Witcher. And oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's an old Wait. game. But yeah. you know what? Honestly, there's not a lot out right now that I'm interested in. So I've been playing that, and it's been good. Yep. And that's pretty much it. Just been getting excited for our episode today about... Uh, about the cursed bread. Of yeah. Ponce and Esprit. Yeah, the dirty ass <clears throat> bread. That makes yeah, dude, just see shit. Yeah, 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 dude, for sure. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, it's Halloween, Spooktober. It's a second Halloween episode. Yeah. Yep. yep. If you guys remember last week, we talked about uh, Vlad Dracula. Yep. Dragulia. And uh, I was just re-listening to that episode, and I had a really hard time pronouncing his title. Um. I never said it the same twice. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mentioned that during the episode that I, I liked how you were it slowly was... starting to pronounce it like Dracula. It was it was Dracula. very hard because you see the word Dracula and you say it Dracula your whole life, and yeah. then all of a sudden somebody's like, you know, but it's actually actually Dracula, and it's yeah. like, I, I don't well, know. What to fuck. Do. It just yeah. it, it, it tripped me up. The entire episode it tripped me up. Yeah. So, what can you do? What can you do, yeah? Yeah, not much. What's new with you? Uh, not uh, not much. Just um I I have started my my next Star Trek series. I'm watching mm-hmm. uh, I'm skipping over Voyager. I've had some people tell me it's not the best. So, I'm going straight to uh, Star Trek Enterprise, mm. which is um supposedly and so far living up to a uh the horniest Star Trek series. In the very first episode, there is a very bizarre, strange, like, sensual shower rubdown scene. Damn. So, yep. That's the one with Scott Bakula, right? Yeah, yep, Scott Bakula, yeah, That's for sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I always remember him from the uh, uh, 
classic meme from Quantum Leap where it's like, wait, I'm... And then you don't say what? that word anymore, but... Wait, All right, I'll just beep it out when we say it, but where he's like, wait, I'm... Bleep. <laughs> and he's looking at himself in the mirror and it's like all posters of the Beatles and shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite Quantum Leap. I, I, don't, I, I can't even think of this one. Really? Yeah. Oh, there's an episode where he like uh, finds himself in the body. So the whole premise of the show, and I've only seen a few episodes of Quantum Leap. It used to be on sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, but the premise of the show is that he finds himself randomly yeah. like in other people's bodies in their lives, and he has to like solve a specific problem. Oh, God. Are you and, serious? Yeah, he has to solve a specific problem before he gets to leap again. Um, yeah. And eventually he's hoping to find his way back to his own body. And mm-hmm. one of the episodes tackles the issue of uh, Down syndrome, and he finds okay. himself in like a, a a young man with Down syndrome's body, and God, it's become man. a meme where he like opens up the closet and he looks in the mirror, and there's a there's a mirror there's a mirror there, and he looks in the mirror and he's like, wait, I'm bleep, <laughs> <laughs> and that's like the cold open to the show, and uh, that's become a meme. Dude, I I have I I do you've not never think seen I've ever that? seen this no oh there's no way there's no way you've never I, seen that I can't picture it man oh fuck all right yeah. fair enough well I guess I've just gone ahead and made myself out to be some sort of bigoted <laughs> asshole and, and yeah there's not much else I can do about it <laughs> well shit dude shit brother yep well fuck well fuck yep all right well um. So for today's episode, uh, I would like for us to play a game while we do it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's sure. called the Cam Doesn't Burp Into the Microphone Challenge. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I'll do my best. I don't know what else to tell you. There's <laughs> yeah, a that... there's a certain you know there's a certain urge a man gets when he's got a burp, and you either yeah. do it or you don't. Yeah. But uh, I'm gonna try. Yeah, I, I believe in you, bud. Yeah, that you that you can succeed in this in sure. this noble cause. The problem is we both drink so much sparkling liquid. Yeah, yeah, we do. I usually uh, I usually try to get away from the microphone if that happens. You know. Sure. So that yeah, that's one approach. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> so that I don't get a fucking earful of burp through my AirPod that's, while I'm listening back to it. That's definitely one approach. Yeah. Um, but I mean, from another angle, let's look at it this way. What? If I have to burp, yep. Who else am I going to share that with? Uh, you that can be. I a mean, you're probably burp. my closest friend. And yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I, I, it can be a personal burp. All right. Well, I'll keep a that perp, in mind. A perp. That can be a perp. I'll try. I'll do my best. I'll do my okay. best today. All right. For sure. Um, all right. So uh, before we get started, though, uh, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Yeah, we actually do have a sponsor uh, today. We got an ad sent to us from uh, from a really cool local <clears throat> restaurant that's been kind of out of commission for a while, and they sent us a tape. So I'm just gonna go ahead and play that, yeah. and uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I didn't listen to it, so hopefully okay. it's good. Me neither. Today's episode is brought to you by Terry Taffy's, your local favorite for family-friendly food and fun. That's right, Terry Taffy's is back and better than ever. 
Recently reopened and newly renovated after that unfortunate bit of legal trouble, Terry Taffy's is ready to host your child's next event. We also want to remind you that most kids never even go missing here. Looking for a hot slice of homemade New York-style pizza? How about all the latest arcade games and a state-of-the-art play area? And you've got to try our famous homemade saltwater taffy treats. We've got all this and more. And plus, kids hardly ever go missing. Like, mostly, they don't. You might have heard rumors that some kind of, quote, death cult was operating in, quote, our basement and sacrificing children to the quote snail god Slorgo. But we are pleased to inform you that due to the tragic and unrelated disappearance of a district court judge and several state prosecutors, this was never successfully proven in a court of law. At Terry Taffy's, we pride ourselves on providing the absolute best for you and your child. But don't take my word for it. Heck, let's ask the man himself. Hey, Terry. Hiya, kids. Terry Taffy here, but you can call me TT. We're so excited to be back. We've <laughs> we've really missed uh, having you. <laughs> we hope you'll come by soon and have a great time with me and the whole Taffy gang. We've got Junebug, Mr. Moppy, the Tinkle Twins. Everyone is so excited to see you. Just remember the Taffy Gang pledge. <laughs> you keep your mouth shut about what you see here. <laughs> you shut your mouth, you little snake, or Terry will... <laughs> Terry will... <laughs> Hail Slorgo! May your slime trail cover this broken earth and your massive shell eclipse the hateful sun as you bring forth the... <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> All right, folks. Looks like the Arch Magus, I mean, uh, <laughs> Terry, has some work to do in the pizza kitchen. Come on down to Terry Taffy's, where the fun begins, and in very rare cases has been rumored to end. If you come in and use promo code glory to slorgo you'll get ten free tokens and a slice on us. We hope to see you real soon. Hail Slorgo. I loved going there as a kid. Yeah, it was a good place. I, uh... <laughs> and, and as you can tell, we we uh, turned out completely, totally normal. Yeah, everything was fine. I, yeah. I never had a problem at Terry Taffy's. So, um, you know, I don't know what to tell I you. Contractually talk about obligated it like to tell deal, you that I had I no I problems there. I don't know what to tell them. <clears throat> yeah, it's a great time. All right, well, thanks, Terry. Yeah, and like I say, you know, they said if you want a free piece of pizza, 10 tokens, it's a pretty good deal. Yep. All right, well then, I guess uh, we should uh, mosey on into the uh, story of the day. Sure, why not? So I'm going to read a, uh, a, little, a little bit right here from the New York Times right after this uh, particular event happened. Okay, sure. Um, so for a little background, I'm talking about a unexplained mass psychosis in the small commune of Pont-Saint-Esprit in France. The villagers went into convulsions, aggravated in many cases by hallucinations. A little girl thought she was being eaten by tigers. A powerful vineyard worker had the same delusion. He fought wildly, flinging crockery at the imaginary beast, smashing chairs against the wall. A normally quiet garage worker thought he was a circus performer and walked along the cable of a suspension bridge. The scholarly head of the father, uh, farmer's cooperative had an overwhelming urge to jump out of the window. One woman believed that her children had been slaughtered by the butcher to be made into sausage. Another saw the repeated vision of a doctor whose head was a grinning skull. 
A few of the victims began to die, the young and strong as well as the weak. Damn. So it sounds like a pretty fucking cool party was going yeah. on at Ponce yeah. in a spree. Yeah, it's, um... All right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a really spooky episode mm-hmm. today. Sure. So as I said, this happened in the year of 1951 in a commune in the south of France. And there was an unexplained mass psychosis event that lasted for over a week as the town was gripped in a nightmare while its inhabitants became horrendously ill. No one knew what the cause of it was at first, but the symptoms ranged from nausea and vomiting to dangerous delirium, self-harm, and murderous desires. Uh, So altogether, more than 250 people became sick, 50 people were placed in insane asylums, and seven deaths occurred at the small town of under 5,000 people. The event came to be known in France as Le Pound Modé, or the Cursed Bread. (laughs) (laughs) Which, it makes it sound a lot funnier than, like, this is, like, one of the most absolutely deranged things I've ever read, and I cannot wait to get to it with you guys. Uh, So while no definitive cause of the event has ever been discovered, many of the people that researched the event believed it to have been a case of ergot poisoning, Mm -hmm. although some others insist it was a poisoning of a different substance, including mercury, mycotoxins, or nitrogen trichloride. But over the last decade, a new far more sinister theory has come to light due to the discovery of some in my opinion, damning evidence, left after the destruction of a possible paper trail. Hmm. So I will like to say uh, a lot of this is going to involve French names, and so we're just going to have to bear with me through some of these pronunciations, although I did look up as many of them as I could. So going back to World War II, France was administered under the Vichy government during the, or Vichy government, during the German occupation, which was named after the city that was the de facto seat of the Nazi collaborating government. So this government overtook strict control on grain shipments that allowed them to control the supply during the war. After the war, there were some changes in policy, once again allowing bakers to choose where they got their bread from. However, the particular way that this was changed essentially meant that a place like Pont Saint Esprit was or would only have access to lower quality flour than other departments of the country. Why is that? Uh, d- nobody lives there really. So, like gotcha. the bigger cities would have like bigger cities and more like uh, uh you know just more important like metro areas they would have access to the high quality ones. But like Pont Saint Esprit is like this tiny. It's it looks beautiful, yeah. but it's this like tiny little village of like or town of like five thousand people, surrounded by like farmland and vineyards that's just like right on the River Rhone. So and it's you know in southern France. I think it's in Provence, but I'm not sure. Uh, maybe close to there, but there's just not really a lot going on. I don't think the Rhone goes through Provence. But yeah, uh, they, fair they enough. Talk- so this isn't like central central France. It's it's like more south central. Okay. They, they they do talk. They don't exactly say it's in. Provence, but they do talk about it being like Provencal. But, okay. Um, but yeah, it's right on the Rhone. Um, so anyway, leading up to the event, there were several other small villages uh, around Pont Saint Esprit that had outbreaks of food poisoning via bread, and many of these were traced to a miller named Maurice Maillet in the nearby town of Martin Laverviere, although the symptoms had never gotten anywhere near the point of the Pont Saint Esprit event. 
the, commun uh, the communes of Israq, Laval Saint-Romain, Goudargue, and Lamode-Rhone each saw a few dozen illnesses similar to, uh, similar to typical food poisoning. In Connu, the town baker was told by townspeople that his bread was causing them to have diarrhea. He and his family were also suffering from it, so he concurred that it was his bread, which the flour had been turning grain sticky. In Saint-Janier de Combalos, the baker had received foul flour that was gray and full of worms. All right. So there's some gross. Yeah, don't gross make shit bread with up. that. You get that <laughs> yeah. worm flour. You don't. You don't yeah. make bread with that. Nope. in the cockpit at forty thousand The sky is the limit, but we supersede. The green for the speed is like way beyond limits. I grab my parachute with like forks and spoons in it, and I'm falling. I'm falling. My heart. So, now we go to August 16th, 1951. And uh, what I'm about to read, I, I loved this. I got, I found a French article, and just for shits, I, like, Google translated it, and I loved the way it translated. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just going to read this horrible Google Translate of a French article. Okay, sure. On August 16th, 1951, collective hysteria struck Pont-Saint-Esprit, a small peaceful village in the Gard. The case knows an exceptional impact. It all started with a mysterious collective food poisoning. The waiting rooms of the two doctors, Vieux and Gabin, all are always full. Nearly 20 patients come to consult for digestive problems. Nausea, vomiting, chills, hot flashes. The following days, the symptoms worsen and change into unbearable hallucinatory attacks. The accounts of the time describe the small town as a Dante-esque hell. <laughs> Transported to the hospital in carts or cars, the sick scream, moan, and insult each other. Others drooling over their lips, terrified by the sound of ambulance sirens, wander the streets. Filthy beasts, chimeras, and colored flashes populate their delirium when it is not the flames or voices from beyond the grave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's LSD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a hundred. Yeah. Oh, dude. Which, okay, Just... so we should probably explain to the listener oh, that yeah. ergot, ergot, even if this yeah. is ergot poisoning, which I guess we're going to Yeah, dispute. I was going to do that later, but I guess, yeah, we can do that now. Uh, ergot is a precursor to LSD and various other LSD uh, analogs or, or, you know, things like LSD-25 and stuff like that, you know. So, right. like, the, you know, there's the recreational LSD, lysergic acid diethylamide, and then there's a bunch of other ones that maybe have little functional groups added and things like that where it still has the LSD but it's slightly changed. And it can uh, – there's a reason that those aren't recreational. <laughs> and here's the thing. So it is naturally, ergot is naturally occurring in certain yeah. funguses, or it is a fungus. Yeah, it's a that, fungus spore. That can yeah, grow like... on flour, can grow on bread. So there are uh, occasional, very yeah. rare uh, historical instances of people yeah. experiencing these things naturally because the flour that they're using in their bread yeah. has decayed and, and, and yeah. made them deranged. And the only reason yeah, that yeah, I bring yeah, this up now, because I know you're going to talk about this, the only yeah. reason I bring it up now is that, you know, these people are freaking out. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, exactly. So, so ergot will cause also like hallucinations right. and stuff. It's possible. And yeah, and so like usually like when you have like grains that maybe like. 
that maybe is contaminated with ergot spores. You like put it in water, and the ergot will uh will sink while the grain will flow, and you can sure. get it out that way. They're like big nasty, like purple fucking looking things. Uh, so on the day of August sixteenth, uh, two of the commune's doctors, Viungaba, filled with uh filled with people exhibit or. Their doctor's offices were filled with people exhibiting symptoms similar to food poisoning, such as the other instances of bad bread in the neighboring communes. Over 300 people had brought, uh, had bought bread that day from the shop of one of the town's bakers, Brian, who was supplied the flour for his bread from Maurice Mayang, who we discussed that his had been poisoning other people. Mm-hmm. However, many of the people that did buy the bread, and really from all over the place, including eating at restaurants, noticed no issue with the taste of the bread. Tastes totally normal. Uh, even by the afternoon siestas, people have been eating and buying the bread since 10 a.m. No one had complained about the taste. Now, on the e- evening of August 17th, after conditions had already long settled in for some townsfolk, now this is just, you know, food poisoning symptoms, but the word hadn't quite spread yet, I'm going to get to an anecdote of the household of Joseph Moulin, turned in, which turned into a scene straight from a horror film. Uh, you know, it's usually one of those parts where you, as the watcher, are well aware that shit is about to get extremely bad for people, <laughs> but the characters are not quite totally in the loop right, yet. Right, they don't have it figured like, out just yet. I think, uh, I, I think the scene, or the word Lynchian is 100% overused today, but this is a fucking Lynchian-ass scene. Sure. So, <clears throat> Joseph, just a few kilometers outside the commune on his vineyard, ate nearly an entire loaf of the Brion bread, and then the scraps of the dinner, including the bread, were fed to the dog, ducks, and cat by his mother. The dog ate the rest of the food, but backed away from the bread. So, you will recall my dog story from last episode. Not really quite sure, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The dog might have Not eaten all sure of it. I believe that the dog wouldn't eat this nasty bread, but the other animals did. <laughs> so, Joseph himself, a young man who had worked in the fields all the previous day, woke up in the, middle of, uh, in the middle of the night in severe stomach pain. But eventually, he fell back asleep. He felt fine in the morning, although his mother informed Joseph and his father that the dog had rejected the bread. Hmm. Regardless, they were like a shut up, and they went back to the field to work. Fuck. My yeah, entire backdrop that. just fell, but whatever, we're fine. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, <clears throat> while cleaning up from breakfast, the mother was suddenly stopped short by a, a horrific cry from the cat, who was screaming in Agassi, uh, Agassi, Andre, Andre Agassi, Agassi, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> who was screaming in agony, rolling over, writhing, twisting, and shaking in agony. It then ran, screaming, <laughs> to the wall and tried to climb it while its hair, quote, was literally standing up on end. It refused to be calmed by Lorraine Moulin and just continued to bash itself against the wall. Jesus. Utterly horrified, Lorraine was unable to do anything as the cat collapsed, dragged itself upright, and then collapsed again. Just then, she looked outside to see another sight that would leave her speechless. Like, dude, I would fucking shit my pants if I had seen this. (laughs) (laughs) One duck was lying prostrate on its side, and another was staggering as if drunk beside it. Three others were clacking ceaselessly with their beats stretched on the verge of breaking while marching like penguins in an unnatural way, waddling and flapping their wings. Lorraine was in awe, and as the ducks began reaching a crescendo 
in their cacophony. She checked on the prostrate duck whose head fell back limply, and the second duck was wandering in circles before limping over. Her, her husband and son were suddenly no longer in the vineyards, and the cat was dead. Yeah, this is fucked up. <laughs> dude, if this happened and you were just, ducks, like, at dude. home, this would be one of the most horrifying experiences you could ever imagine. Just, like, all of a sudden, everything around you goes insane and then dies. Yeah, dude, the procession of the it, it, the ducks cackling ceaselessly until their beaks were, like, breaking. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, so, nearby in the same village as the Moulin family... Felix Misson had had fed his dog some of the leftover Briand bread that he had gotten. The dog ended up performing some of the same macabre tricks as the Moulin family's animals. The dog limply rose after a few hours of eating it, moved to the farmyard, stopped, then leaped, quote, grotesquely into the air and began running swiftly in a wide circle. The dog snarled and snapped at its owner and, quote, at moments the dog would seize a rock, crunch it fiercely in its teeth until at last two teeth fell out and blood dripped from its mouth. The scene went on for minutes before the dog slowed down and died. Oh my god. Um, I don't remember this any time that I ever got ergot poisoning. Yeah. That someone who isn't me got ergot poisoning. Yeah. I've never personally had it actually. It's good of you to point that out. Yeah, but but Swim has. I've heard about it. Yeah. So, the test van household at Laviette was also poisoned by the bread, and all of the members of the co-op there that had eaten it became sick early in the morning after eating it for dinner. So, it was the typical illness, chills, nausea, trouble sleeping, weakness. At this point, though, the damage was spreading like wildfire throughout the village of Dr. Albert Gabal. Two hours before the test van's dinner, Gabal's office was filled with sick people from Pont-Saint-Esprit as he came back from vacation. Some of the patients were experiencing hypothermia. Hmm. As he continued seeing patients, the experiences began to vary widely. Some people acted drunk and were giddy. Others had diarrhea, and some had a fever, others none. Some vomited. It's just all over the place. Yeah, weird. Very different symptoms for everybody. Yeah. Now, after this round, the doctors in the area all agreed that it seemed like the worst was over. But then more illnesses started rolling in as it turned to the weekend, and now the symptoms were entirely different. Convulsions, eyes rolling back, foaming at the mouth, Mm -hmm. drooling, insane features of the face. Some people became mute. Some of the symptoms seemed to be epileptic seizures, but in patients with no history of epilepsy. Weird. However, by Saturday night... The doctors of the area convened and were convinced that it was simply food poisoning affecting the area. Mm-hmm. Even though they're all exhibiting, like, <laughs> the classic symptoms of possession. Like, yeah. All these people are fucking losing it. Foaming Dude. at the mouth, vomiting to death, like... Having seizures. Yeah, hypothermia. Stuff. Some people are having hypothermia. Some people are just shitting nonstop. I mean, like... it's a good thing nobody started randomly speaking Russian, because that would have been <laughs> the absolute, like, clincher. Dude, yeah, yeah, that would have blown some fucking 1950 <laughs> French people's minds. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. We'd have an Eli Roth movie about that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Frankly, somebody... I'm surprised that this hasn't been made a movie yet. Yeah, I dude, it is. It is, yeah. Yeah, I know Eli Roth just, you know, fucking having somebody's eye fall out because of a blowtorch or something like that. <laughs> right. 
that that scene from Hostel is always burned into my I've like never sixteen year old mind. And I'll never watch it. That yeah, sort it's of stupid. shit. That's not a good horror movie. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, man. I don't consider movies like that and Saw horror movies because yeah, I yeah. like horror movies. I don't I love like horror those movies. movies. Yeah. I don't like uh, like torture porn movies. I don't like movies. So you don't just... like the Human Centipede too? No. Remember, <laughs> we saw it together. Did we watch two together or just one? Uh, I don't know if we even watched one together. I think I, I mean, might have I, watched one yeah. separately. I've of watched you, but... one like three times. I remember we saw two after getting ergot poisoning uh, yeah. at, in college, and we went to um, my friend's house, uh, yeah. Caroline, and she like. Do you remember that we 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 were at there was like a like the walk for. Yeah, yeah. Something in the middle of campus, and yeah. then she drove us to her dorm, and we were in like the flatbed of her truck. Heavily. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Because like it was like walk for some kind of cancer thing, and we didn't know, so we were smoking yeah. cigarettes. We had and, spent like, the everybody whole. Everybody was pissed. Right. We had spent the whole day doing other stuff, yeah. and showed up at this like as a social event, but it was like a socially conscious event. And yeah. we're like smoking cigarettes and like coming down from you know our poisoning and um, we're having some kind of time. And I remember getting my face painted like Ace Freely. And oh, the yeah, girl who yeah, was yeah. painting faces was a friend of my current roommate, and she didn't know who Ace Freely was, so I had to like show her a picture on my old like iPhone two brick. And it took mm -hmm. so long for it to come up, but I you know showed her and she did it. But she only had purple and silver, so it wasn't like real Ace Freely. So I had like a purple Ace Freely makeup on my face. And then our friend Caroline was like, come back to my house. We'll like watch a movie and we're going to drink four locos. And so yeah. we were like, cool, that sounds great. We totally haven't Nightcap, been like dude. losing our minds for 14 hours. So we go to her place. And I remember riding over there in the flatbed of her truck. And we're just mm -hmm. on campus, which, I mean, Ring Road around campus was a mile. Yeah. And we're doing like 60, whipping it from the parking lot of the center of campus to her apartment in like birch or something and we get there and i feel like i've been whipped around the stars are jumping all over the place and we get there yeah, yeah. and somebody and i don't know who this was but somebody said let's watch human centipede 2 and i, I remember drinking oh wow i do not remember that that was the time that we watched it maybe i'm mixing things up but i'm pretty confident uh, that that was the time yeah it's i, I don't question yeah, and so I remember drinking like a whole four loco, and we're watching Human Centipede two, and it gets to a certain point in the movie, and I just started crying because I was like, "What the fuck!" Like, I like couldn't handle it. I was like, "What the fuck!" Like, "What the fuck are we watching? Why is it are we the watching this?" That gets crushed under the pedal yeah. It, it might have been that, but like it was probably well before that. And there's like a certain point, and I'm just like, "Why are we watching this? This is so heinous." And, I mean, now, if I watch that now, I might be able to handle it. But at the time, I was not equipped. I was in a very <laughs> vulnerable place. Like I said, I had just had ergot poisoning, and I was really, really upset. And I found that movie, like, just completely over-the-top and upsetting, and I, I couldn't get into it. And I feel that way about a lot of those movies, like Saw, yeah. Hostel, a lot of that shit. I'm just not into it. I don't mind a little gore in my movies, but it has to be backed up by a movie. If the yeah. movie is the gore, then the I'm gore. not into it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like I'll watch fucking, uh, I just saw Candyman. I thought, you know, I know there's been some divisive opinions on that, but I thought Candyman was pretty all right. And that was a pretty fucking gory movie. Like there were some pretty yeah. brutal kills in that movie. I haven't seen it yet. But it was good. Like it was a mm -hmm. solid flick. It kept me interested. Some really pretty shots. And even like the gore aspect of it was kind of cartoonish enough where it wasn't 
you know, driving me nuts. But Human Centipede 2, man, fuck that. I remember the first one being kind of funny. The second yeah, one the was just one like... Yeah, the first one was, yeah, funny because it was like the Nazi who was yeah, doing it. Yeah. But then the second one is some, like, mentally, like, challenged guy who... Yeah. 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 And there's, like, yeah. a pregnant lady. There's, like, a, it's... It, it, yeah. They took he it too far. He masturbates with sandpaper at one point. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. took it too far. That might have been the part where I shed a tear. Um, it was just, like, <laughs> a little too disturbing for me. And, yeah, and dude, I got yeah, it. Like, went out for that for that guy. Right. <laughs> and you know that it's not real. You know that it's a joke. But at the same time, it's it like... I thought it was real. Eh. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. Ain't I clean? Bad machine. Super cool. Super mean. Feeling good for the man. Super fly. Fear not stand. Secret stash. Heavy bread. Baddest bitches in the bed. I'm your pusher man. Anyway, so I call this next part Don Della Quixote Sally's Fourth from La Mancha. Okay, cool. Because it's a guy named Della Quixote, mm-hmm. and he, uh, he Sally's Fourth, but he's fucking tripping his dick off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what would soon become apparent to the doctors is that this was no simple case of food poisoning gripping the town and the surrounding villages and vineyards. Uh, Monsieur Delaquy and Monsieur Testvan, both from the Testvan household previously mentioned. I, I know I'm not pronouncing that one right, but I got no idea. That's as good as I would Testvan, do. Yeah. Testvan, yeah. Testvan. Yeah, or something. I don't know. But anyway, Delaquy is nice and easy. But um, So they had both gone to work without sleeping. They were sick all night, and they're like, well, uh, that feeling uh, will go away with some physical labor. <laughs> And uh, sure. once it does, we'll feel fine, and everyone will feel better. The effects of the nausea and, and chills did wear off, uh, but they were pl- replaced by something quite different. While working in the field, Delaki began to feel dizzy, and it was noticed by others in the household. Later in the day, he could not get up from a chair and fell back down. He was finding it difficult to stop the entire room from spinning. So he took off to complete some tasks on a bicycle, barely able to ride. You know, once he was able to kind of get his his bearing, and he ate a little bit. Yeah. So the ride up the hill to Lavier, uh, or Lavillette seemed a million miles to uh, Monsieur Delaquy. The road, uh, so this I'm quoting directly. The road seemed to shrink and expand in front of his eyes. The villas along the side of the road took on brilliant and indescribable colors. When he looked down at his hands on the handlebars, they seemed to stretch miles in front of him. The Mm. road would widen out to infinity and then return to a size no larger than a ribbon. The front wheel of his bicycle would begin to grow until it seemed to encompass the entire world. And suddenly it would return to normal. He had a strange feeling of being outside himself, as if he were looking down at the figure pumping so laboriously up the hill. The journey seemed to be taking him centuries, yet at the same time, he seemed to be moving at an incredible speed, whisking on the wings of a magic carpet past the vineyards, which were no longer ordinary vineyards, but blazing rows of glorious colors. He seemed to float in time and space, and as he entered the courtyard of La Villette, he felt he was borne in on the wings of a mythical golden chariot. My man is fucking tripping his yeah, dick off. Yeah, he's losing his fucking like, mind clean right off. Yeah. Dude, he is tripping his yeah, fucking sure. mind. It's... Like, <laughs> No, no ifs, ands, or buts, man. This guy like, is it, tripping sack right yeah, now. Yeah, dude, his brains are leaking out of his head as yeah. he's trying to ride his bike. But it does sound like some scary Alice in Wonderland shit. Like, if you didn't know that you were doing that, yeah. here's the thing, man. 
I can't imagine what it's like to be dosed because I feel like even having experienced some of these things, you know, when I've had ergot yeah. poisoning, um, if I didn't expect it, I would be fucking I, blown away. I find n- almost nothing more abhorrent and personally offensive than the usage of like like psychedelic drugs on people like this. This is yeah. so personally offensive to me and like almost like on, on such like like a really like visceral level. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's this thing that has, you know, caused like such like can you know have such like incredible beauty and change in people and have and many people have testified to it. Sure. Um and that it's just being used to try to control them and without them knowing like in they don't know what dosages are at this time. So they're like, these are heroic doses that they're forcing on people without their knowledge. Well, you haven't, you haven't actually talked about that yet. As far oh, as true. we know, this is just ergot. Poisoning. Well, well in general, MK ultra and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. But well, okay. Well, let's get there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Spoiler guys. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Cause just so you yeah. guys know, Evan thinks that this yeah. is all a plot, but um, we'll get there. But uh, anyway, I, I also should say for like a lot of this, I'm quoting from this book called The Day of St. Anthony's Fire, which was written about like 17 years after this actual event. And this is a book positing that it was ergot poisoning. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so Madame Testvan at the washing well of the courtyard saw him come. I'm quoting again. It was a pitiful, painful sight. His bicycle was wobbling dizzily over the rough gravel. His face was strained, pale, and pinched. She ran toward him because she knew he was going to fall, but she was too late. Near the old well, his bicycle spun crazily out from under him to the left while he spun off to the right onto the dirt. Breathing heavily, he lay limply on the ground. She helped him to his feet, and he seemed to recover his equilibrium quickly. Painfully, with her help, he made his way to his room. By the time they reached it, he was already feeling much better. He refused to let her send someone for the doctor because he was certain now that the worst was over. He begged her not to be concerned, explaining that this must be a new form of his older illness, <clears throat> which had made him leave Paris and come to the country. If by the next morning, Sunday, he did not feel better, he agreed he would let her call the doctor. Fully clothed, he collapsed on the bed in exhaustion. He's fine. Yeah, he sounds pretty good. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now at this point in the narrative, <laughs> everyone was beginning to feel far worse symptoms. It ain't just my man, uh, uh, Don De La Quixote. So losing the ability to talk for some, you know, this is what was going on now. Some who were bedridden for hours suddenly leapt out of their chambers and stalked their land, yelling like wild men before passing out again and repeating the process. Jesus. Some would shriek and hide, then run out and repeat the process. Some would be bedridden and barely breathing. Some claimed to be freezing or actively being burnt alive. The pupils were often wide as dinner plates. Basically, everyone had the same initial symptoms of food poisoning, but after they subsided, the experience was wildly different for some than it was for others. Some wrote vivid pages of poetry, hundreds of them. Uh... It was an especially productive experience for the head of the local farmers' co-op, who began writing hundreds upon hundreds of pages of luminous poetry. Jeez, hundreds. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of. I mean, poetry. for days. Uh, so uh, just like nonstop, uh, just like putting for your days. Thoughts he, down. he didn't sleep. He didn't even sleep. He Jeez. just for days he was writing poetry, <laughs> like nonstop. So from an article I read, uh, which was largely compiling some of the crazier stories in that book I just told you. 
uh, which is by John Fuller in the 60s, when the main culprit was ergot poisoning, they believed a precursor to LSD. So a state of giddiness persisted, accompanied by abundant sweating and a disagreeable odor, reported the British Medical Journal. People would compare the stench to the fragrance of dead mice. For hundreds of victims, that's where the inexplicable mass illness stopped. For others, it was only the beginning. Dozens upon dozens of people began experiencing nightmarish hallucinations and just reeking like dead mice. The thing about that is the dead mice thing. And I feel like yeah. that's a really specific smell that I, you know, off the top of my uh, I don't head, know. I can't picture. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that they had such a such an intimate knowledge of that odor. I mean, I, mean, I, I guess, guess if you're a farmer, this was like, in the fifties, yeah, too. You know, you probably smell that a lot, like your cat, your, you know, barn cat. Yeah, you yeah, just exactly. Have mice and shit in your house, and you just catch a whiff of it. <clears throat> yep. Sounds awful. Yeah, it does. So let's return to uh, Monsieur de la Key after his harrowing trip. Uh, so he was still in the throes of some experience on Sunday, but now was sitting down writing intensely as his, quote, left eye was swollen and dangerously pathological. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as he filled up notepad after notepad, completely distant from what he was experiencing. He apparently did not sleep for days as he wrote. Eventually, after days on end, he was convinced a giant ball of fire was hurtling towards the window, and he shrieked that it was going to kill them. Then someone in the dining room below them started smashing and destroying things, roaring and clawing at the air, yelling that beasts and heads were coming to eat them. They were just the start of the savage breaking out of the village, now a week caught in the tempest of this mass psychosis. It just keeps getting worse. Oh! Oh, yeah, you're about to experience the savage <laughs> breaking out. All right, fair enough. So this is a week of people slowly going insane, and then one night it all came to a head. Can you imagine? Just yeah. really, like, picture the scene, nighttime, in the summer, and this is happening, and you're just like, like, as a person who's not experiencing the hallucinations, right. and you just walk out in the street, and all of this is happening around you. Yeah, it sounds it's horrifying. Like, no, this right here, the savage breakout. Ambulances began racing through the streets as the houses and town and farms all around Pont-Saint-Esprit became the battleground of an invisible battle for the inhabitants spilling forth from their homes. The sirens of the ambulances mixed with the shrieking of the voices of the infected. People were desperately trying to kill each other, with the uninfected having to use brute force to subdue people in uncontrollable tantrums. Holy shit. The hysteria began to grow not just in the ill, but those under no influence and un unable to make sense of the madness an overwhelming fear dominated everyone some walked through the streets with crucifixes and beads the town became gripped in pandemonium a little girl screamed as she was chased by man-eating tigers. A woman sobbed about how her children had been ground into sausages. A large man fended off terrific beasts by smashing his furniture. A husband and wife ran around chasing each other with knives. Even the local animals had gone mad. A, a dog chewed on stones until its teeth, teeth chipped away. Ducks began marching like penguins. Everywhere, people <laughs> ran wildly as they tried to avoid imaginary flames. One man, convinced that red snakes were devouring his brain, jumped out of a window. Another reportedly leapt from a window, broke both legs, stood up, and continued running. <sighs> Outside, a local pass postal worker complained that he was shrinking. A person sprinted down the lane, claiming he was being chased by bandits with donkey ears. Near the Rhone River, a man, convinced that he was a circus tightrope walker, 
attempted to balance his way across the cables of a suspension bridge. Another tried to jump into the river only to be saved by friends. I am dead and my head is made of copper and I have snakes in my stomach and they are burning me, he yelled. Holy shit. People ran around attempting suicide, including those now institutionalized in the full hospital, Dr. Gabar called it, my night of the apocalypse. Now, this is directly from the day of St. Anthony's fire. Suddenly, a form appeared in a second floor window. It was a man, and he was gesticulating wildly. In a moment, he was on the sill. Two sisters were behind him now, begging him to get back in the room. Each time they reached out, he slashed their hands away. It was Joseph Foucher, the ex-aviator. Watch! He shouted to the dark streets below. Look at me! I'm an airplane! Do you understand? I'm an airplane, and I can fly! <laughs> Dr. Gabahal was transfixed in horror. The two sisters were begging the man in the name of God to come back in the building. I can fly! Don't all of you believe me? He yelled, watch me! All of this had taken less than ten seconds. With no further warning, he jumped, arms outstretched as if they were the wings of an airplane. He soared through the air, landed on the Boulevard Carnot, almost telescoping both his legs. Oh my God. He screamed in agony. Dr. Gabar ran to his side. The sisters ran out of the hospital. As the doctor reached his side, the blood was already soaking through his hospital gown from the green stick fractures. Then, incredibly, he rose up on his shattered legs and ran full speed down the boulevard. Several stunned villagers from the houses around joined the chase. He was not caught until he had run 50 meters on two broken legs. It took eight men and the doctor to drag him, still protesting that he was an airplane, back to the hospital. It took all eight to hold him down as the doctor set the fractures. The plaster casts were applied from the hip down to the toes. Immobilized by the cast, he thrashed his arms wildly about the bed until exhaustion finally conquered him. Then the grotesque and macabre parade began. Jesus Christ. Mixed with those who were genuinely stricken with wild and uncontrollable psychoses were those who were victims of emotional hysteria. So great was the fear throughout the village. The, the hysterical would have to wait. The psychotics would require all, of the, all the resources of the hospital and more. Not that the cases of purely emotional hysteria that developed would not require treatment under ordinary conditions. It was a question of emergency priority. A hasty admission test was arranged. Only those with clear-cut, now classic physiological symptoms were admitted. First, if they had a slow pulse and enlarged pupils, the chances were they were the hopeless victims and required containment. Second, if they were sweating and creating the odor of mice, a further confirmation could be made. For the problem now is the sheer physical matter of containment, treatment of any kind being an ineffectual. There were three straight jackets in the hospital. By shortly after midnight, they were all in use. Nearly 20 strong male volunteers were called into service. The fire department surrounded the hospital. The police were massed in the hallways. It was a rear guard action of retreat. The conquest of the disease was becoming more remote than ever. They were nearly all screaming and shouting that long night as they were brought into the hospital on stretchers. 90 from trucks, cars, wagons, any form of transportation that could be put into use. There was the man and wife both bleeding and disheveled who had been chased who had been chasing each other around the kitchen table with knives there was the woman with delusions of grandeur who insisted that she was a baroness and screamed that she was being persecuted when they dragged her through the hospital doors 
There, the woman who was absolutely certain that her three children had been drawn and quartered and were hanging from the rafters of the attic to be made into sausages. There, the man who clutched his head because he was sure that red snakes were eating his brain. There, the man cringing and twisting his body in contortions because there were bandits with huge donkey ears chasing him. There, the seven-year-old child whose every toy suddenly uh, changed into a fantastic, indescribable beast. There was the woman screaming that her son was dead, although he stood beside her and was helping her up the hospital stairs. There was the woman shouting, you've come to kill me, to poison me. There was the man who saw the hospital attendants as giant fish with gaping mouths ready to eat him alive. There was the woman surrounded by the dead everywhere. The delusions were not all horrifying. Some heard giant celestial choruses singing in the heavens above. Others saw flaming, gorgeous bouquets of flowers growing suddenly out of their hands and feet. Still others saw colors of the most breathtaking beauty everywhere, surrounding everything. Some saw in the most ordinary things a thimble, a fingernail, a shoe, the whole essence of the world and the universe. A realization they had never had before, a great religious mysticism. But most were in terror. As one doctor approached a victim on her bed, she screamed, no, doctor, do not approach me. Do not come near me. Look at the fire roaring from my fingers. It roars out of each of my fingers. I do not want you to burn up. Eventually, caravans began bringing the psychotic patients to institutions to monitor them until the situation would finally end after the poisoning subsided. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna clean my room until I got high. I was gonna get up and find the broom, but then I got high. Uh, my room is still messed up, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, cause I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. I was gonna go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> Dude, the fucking, the macabre parade. <laughs> I mean, it. It's it's kind of incomprehensible, like the idea of just an entire town going nuts, and then know? the ones who weren't nuts going nuts from the sight of everybody going nuts. Right, you're so surrounded by insanity, just that you people can't mutilating help it. themselves. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why this isn't a movie yet, dude. It is. I I was reading this like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, it is such a vivid image of you know just this. I just like you know 1950s french town just pouring forth from hell like it I'm reminded kind of... me of it reminded me of the movie event horizon when they have the like torture orgy i don't remember event horizon no, no. where we're going we don't need eyes that sounds fun Sa sam neil no i, I, I know what it is oh. and isn't uh, morgan uh, not morgan freeman um morpheus yeah yeah morpheus yeah, yeah. Lawrence Lawrence, Fishburne's in it too, yeah. right yeah, I'll cool have to movie. watch that. Yeah. But yeah, so some of the folks that we talked about earlier, such as young Joseph Moulin, remember I said he ate an entire loaf? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he died during the Night of Madness, just like Jesus. in the hospital. He so ate this was much. enough to be fatal. Like, people yeah. would go through the psychosis and then they would drop dead. I mean, so only seven people died. Some of them committed suicide. Um, some of them had to be, you know, that I think maybe were so crazy they had to be put down. And then, right. you know, some just died of the poisoning. Interesting. Yep. All right. So scary, dude. Yeah. Um. So let's. Uh. Is this was Saint Anthony's fire the cause, or was it a cover up? Mm -hmm. 
So initially, it was believed that ergot poisoning, which is also known as St. Anthony's Fire, was the culprit behind the mass psychosis and poisoning of the town. Now, there is plenty of historical precedent behind ergotism, causing similar outbreaks throughout the history. Ergotism includes seizures and spasms, diarrhea, paresthesias, which is just various, sensa- various sensations on the skin, tingling, numbness, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It can cause mania, um, psychosis, nausea, vomiting, and headaches, and generally with the gastrointestinal issues preceding the effects on the central nervous system. Now, these are all right in line with the experiences of the town, although this one was an incredibly bad attack. So there is the hypothesis that the Salem witch trials uh, and the accusations of witchcraft were actually caused by ergot poisoning. Right, yeah. Yeah, with people having symptoms like hallucination, headaches, skin sensations, mania, delirium, nausea, vomiting, etc., it's possible this was not a psychosomatic event, which it's usually portrayed as, but, you know, one actually caused by an actual agent infecting people. I think that's probably where I first heard of the mm-hmm. ergot poisoning phenomena, was yeah. in reference to the theory about the Salem Witch Trials. Yep, yeah, exactly. Um, however, I'd like for us to consider something else. <clears throat> so it's an event I discussed in episode 31, The Curious Case of Frank Olson. So Frank Olson, as I mentioned in that episode, in case you haven't listened, uh, was a scientist working on the top secret CIA projects of MKUltra and MKNaomi, two projects administered under Sidney Gottlieb, the poisoner-in-chief of the CIA and an avid user of LSD both recreationally and in research purposes for weapons and mind control testing. He had personally used LSD over 200 times during his research. Jesus. Yeah, it's funny too when he... Yeah, well, it's funny. So when he retired, he, like, ended up becoming a yogi and getting into environmentalism. Sure. That's a big so, like, <laughs> Just, like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. A ma- like, like, just a guy just it, as evil as him who was just into poisoning people yeah. and, and, like, surreptitious killing and shit like that. Like, even LSD had fried his brain so much that he was like, I'm really into yoga and green (laughs) politics now. (laughs) And he became, like, an activist. I was meant to heal this planet, not poison (laughs) everyone. Yeah. I I wandered for so long thinking I was there to poison, but now I know I'm there to heal what ails it. I'm there to teach people stretches. (laughs) Yeah. fucking idiot dude (laughs) Uh, so initially the ergot poisoning uh, theory was widely accepted based on scientists from the sandoz chemical company based in basel switzerland although at the time the british medical journal disagreed quite strongly with this assertion saying there's no way mold could have caused this much mayhem over the years other scientists have also disagreed with sandoz but no great explanation has ever been determined to answer all the questions now Astute, astute listener, are you saying to yourself, Sandoz, that name sounds familiar? Mm-mm, well, no. not astute co-host, yeah. but astute listener. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, they know. I don't know. So that is because it was also discussed briefly in episode 31. They are the Basel Switzerland company that accidentally discovered LSD while working with ergot oh. and synthesizing chemicals from it. Remember, there was that scientist who uh, accidentally yeah. tripped and like had to ride his bike home. Yeah, I remember yep. that. I didn't remember the name Sandoz, but I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't expect that. Yeah, but by 1958, they were producing all of the LSD on Earth, and the CIA by 1951 was literally buying all of the LSD on Earth. 
from Sandoz, believing it was the key to world control because they believed that the key to world control was through controlling the minds of people. Hmm. They were convinced that mind control was possible and LSD was the key. And they were also working with LSD as a bioweapon under MK Naomi. And it was the Sando scientists that were the ones that were so quick to state that it was ergot that caused the psychosis. Mm. Looking down on this from the mountains to the east. Right. So, in episode 31, I also briefly mentioned uh, the investigative journalist Hank Alberelli and his uh, book in 2009 called A Terrible Mistake. Uh, where he really, it's kind of the definitive book in unraveling the Frank Olson case. Mm-hmm. So he alleges that the mass psychosis was actually a top-secret CIA experiment called Operation Span, which was part of MK Naomi. So he came to the information while interviewing intelligence personnel after finding an interesting paper trail under a Freedom of Information Act, called FOIA, request. So I discussed in that episode that Frank Olson was a scientist working on aerosol delivery of LSD and other chemicals as bioweapons. Sandoz was, at the time, marketing LSD to the U.S. as a weapon that could render a company of soldiers inert inert due to psychosis. The volatility of the experiment in France led the U.S. to abandon plans to attempt the experiment in a larger city, according to uh, Alborelli's research. He cites FBI documents that even allege that Fort Detrick Special Ops, which is where MK Naomi was stationed, mm-hmm. had plans to poison food plants and water supplies in New York City under an experiment a year before the French incident, but that it was abandoned due to worries about the fallout, that they couldn't, you know, handle that experiment. It would right. be too it big. It would be too intense for them to contain. Yeah. So Alborelli's first tip-off that the U.S. was involved in the Pont-Saint-Esprit uh, affair was a document from 1954 he acquired under FOIA between Sandoz and the CIA that discusses, quote, the secret of Pont-Saint-Esprit, and that the Sandoz rep says, oh, it was not the ergot at all. <clears throat> hmm. Alborelli says he then obtained through the Freedom of Information Act a partially redacted 1955 CIA report entitled, a CIA study of LSD-25. Quote, That seemingly comprehensive report contained detailed information on the manufacture, supply, and use of LSD and LSD-type products worldwide. However, nearly its entire section on France and Pont-Saint-Esprit were blacked out. Uh, he re- uh, foiled uh, the unredacted version and was promptly denied. So, along with this smoking gun, the major one under his FOIA, which I, I consider to be the definitive one, mm-hmm. um, it was actually completely destroyed during the Rockefeller Commission in the 1970s investigating the CIA. Uh, so, there were you know, a multiple uh, investigations, like uh, congressional uh, and government investigations, into the CIA in the 70s. There was the House Select uh, Committee on Assassinations, mm-hmm. you know, after JFK, RFK, Malcolm X... MLK, Fred Hampton. Um, there was the Church Committee, and there was the Rockefeller Commission. And all three were limited hangouts, which again means that the they allow some things to get out in order to cover the worst stuff. Right. And so it's it's been proven that the CIA had actually wiretapped and spied on the legislators involved in all those commissions. And um, under the FOIA... There was, a docu- there was a document that was completely destroyed, but they had not blacked out the title of the document. And it read, regarding Pont-Saint-Esprit and F. Olson Files, S.O. Span, France, 
Operation File, Inclusive Olsen. Intel files. Hand carry to Bellin. Tell him to see it that these are buried. And Bellin refers to David Bellin, director of the Rockefeller Commission. Damn. <laughs> so it seems like pretty cut and dry that Olsen was potentially involved in yeah. dosing yeah, this town and yeah, just they watching probably used the, one of his aerosolize. Of- yeah, aero- yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, and I forgot to put that in these notes. Uh, Frank Olson was confirmed in Pont Saint Esprit in 1951 while this happened. That's insane. That's insane. (laughs) Like, this is, and so Alvarelli, like, you know, his book is like 600 pages or something like that. And he, like, uncovered this and he creates the paper trail. They deleted everything, but they left, like, the titles and shit like that. So he's able to. So so we went over there, and by we, I mean, like, you know, our shitty intelligence agency, and we fucking poisoned a whole sort of county or village in France and just watched what happened as they, like, ate themselves and like went yeah. nuts and and yeah just mutilated themselves and, yeah jesus and we were like maybe we shouldn't take this to a bigger yeah, this test was a bit much maybe let's not do <laughs> so okay so the yeah. first thing that i that comes to my mind is like yeah. would we have had the cooperation of the french government in that right like or do you think that that was like a totally clandestine I mean, operation so, so was charles de gaulle in charge then i think right in the fifties, I would no. say so, but I don't. Yeah, I, I think so because De Gaulle is definitely he was definitely like, like spooked up. Like he was for yeah. sure like involved in intelligence. He was during the war too. Like he worked. Uh, he worked in I think like the the resistance. Yeah, well, that was uh, why the, he against was against so, the Vichy government. Yeah, yeah. That's why he's so uh, beloved in French history is that he yeah. was like an uh, an untiring opponent of Nazi occupation. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of like regardless so, of like his authoritarian tendencies or like other bad yeah. things about him, he was uh, like a legitimately um, fervent freedom fighter for French yeah. independence during that period when but a yeah, lot of people he, weren't. A lot of people kind of rolled yeah. over in that scenario. I mean, yeah, there was an entire collaborating government. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, uh, you know, I know that he obviously yeah, it's tied to intelligence from before the war. Um, I, maybe that he didn't know, maybe he did, I don't know, it may have just been that the CIA was allowed to operate there, I mean, they certainly were, like the, you know, the CIA and the American intelligence was operating all over Europe, right? and they had, they had clandestine operations everywhere, you know, you had Gladio in Italy, but Gladio existed in every country as well, where they were setting up, like, burying weapons caches and, like, arming, like, insurgent groups in case the Soviet Union ever invaded, and when they didn't, they started, like, doing false flag attacks as uh, like basically like like getting cozy with right-wing groups and causing like like in the italian years of lead where like they fucking killed the prime minister at one Mm -hmm. point like kidnapped and killed him and tried to blame it on the left but that whole thing is like very weird but um you know and they were getting involved in regime change all over the place so it's possible that you know they knew that they were operating there but didn't know what they were doing right which is probably most likely damn I mean, Dude. I don't know. I'm convinced. 
I, me too. I, I, that, that fucking, the title of that fucking yeah. document, that, when I saw that, it was like, fucking like, I got like goosebumps. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> they 100% did that. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's weird. It, and so here's the thing. If they didn't. Yeah. What the fuck what does the that What the fuck mean? is that document about? <laughs> like, if, 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 if they didn't do it. What the fuck is that document about? Then what were they doing in Ponce Saint Esprit right. in 1951? Right. So, and that almost means that, like, okay, it's almost like that the least fucked up explanation is that it was us and we just did it. Yeah. Because, like, mean, so apart it, from that, it's like, where do you go from there? Like, so we were, what, we were just, like, aware that it was going to happen and observed it or what? Like, yeah. ugh. And if you knew that was going to happen and didn't do anything about it, that's effectively doing it. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're complicit. So, yeah. and also like, so one of the things too, that I was thinking is like all of these separate poisonings happening around the same time in all of the villages around it. My guess is that they, they, uh, they that there was ergot poisoning going on or some kind of food poisoning Sure. and that they tried to cover their tracks by doing that intentionally. And then they picked one of the towns to then air, hit it with that aerosolized like LSD twenty five yeah. and just like blast and, it into the stratosphere. Yeah, exactly. So that you know they were kind of like prepping so that like they could hide their tracks. They'd be like, "Well, this guy's all of this guy's flower was causing people to That's get sick." Insane. But nobody else had the mass psychosis. They were just like right. sick. Maybe a few people were delirious, but like ergot doesn't cause that. Like people don't start. Mur- murdering the shit out of each other and jumping out of windows, breaking their legs, and right. then running a 50-meter dash on two compound like fractured the, legs. That was like the grossest part of this whole episode uh, when you said he telescoped his legs. I yeah, yeah, because as a man who has heavily fractured one leg before and then imagining imagining like standing on yeah, it yeah i mean i haven't even oh. fractured a leg like but telescoping oh, his legs sounds pretty yeah dude that yeah that description you don't need to be yeah. told what telescoping a, yeah, a leg exactly means what, you know exactly what you're talking yeah, about yeah it means the guy's punching himself in his chin with his knee that's horrible dude that <laughs> yeah. is horrible but dude, i don't like that at all yeah this was like one of the most insane things I've ever read and researched and had to write up. It's like it's just like the the shock as I started reading the savage breaking out and it was like dawning up like it's just like what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it it really leaves you wondering like if if we did this and this is like I mean, well, fairly so in- benign. Like well, so and but and this is one of the things that they're covering up too, though, and so and this is one of the reasons that like in a uh, episode twenty eight, I so painstakingly like rebuilt the way that the Nazi high command was brought into the U.S. state. Right, it's because this is Nazi shit, and like once you realize yeah. that we had the Nazis with us at this time, that like that we were working with Reinhard Galen and Karl Wolf, that we tried to work with Hermann Göring. And all that, like, once you know that these those are the people doing this, it becomes a lot easier yeah. <laughs> to buy this. To wrap your head around it. It's like, yeah, the people Oof. who killed 11 million people in they an like extermination. them and then just immediately bent them to our will. And we're like... Yeah, and just did it right, again. So, it's bad that you did that, like, to Jews, but... But the part where you did it to did communists... It to communists... <laughs> and experimented on it with our own people. Right. Right. <laughs> Oh no. man! Well, that that this was an awesome episode. That was a fascinating story. I was completely yeah. riveted. I um, 
I'm left with a lot of questions, but uh, yeah. you know, hopefully we can kind of fill some of those in as we keep going with the show. Yep. Yeah, dude, this is a. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, it was a good it was one. Fucking I like crazy. It. Yeah, it is crazy, and it 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 leaves you completely freaked out. You know, like I I'm not one to uh, buy into the whole like chemtrail conspiracy. Not that it's not possible, but just I don't think that yeah. it's like a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Why it's not compelling. Like, like, why? Right. Like, like why, why do? You, do why are they doing? It? And that's the thing with all these modern conspiracies. When you ask, exactly. why they're like control, and you're like, okay, they have. They that, already do. So, they right? have they, that. They have that. So what else? Right. They've had that. Um, yeah. Just like with the yeah. vaccine thing, they're like, they're gonna track you, and it's like, cool. I have an they iPhone. They already do that. So, like, they, they, they know they where the fuck I am. They know where I'm at all times. And none of this is a hot take, right? We've heard this all a million places, but it's 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 legitimate. But you hear this story, and you're like, all right, so. But there's material what, reasons. One in, why one they in a hundred times, maybe they are chemtrailing us. Like so. Yeah, but but so mostly like, they're with, not. But sometimes maybe. Yeah, but like with shit like this, like there's like a material reason. Like you have to use like a like a historical materialist like analysis to get right. to this. Like there right. is, there is a material reason as to why they would do this, and it makes sense. There's like an end goal. There there's mo- there's um, method, opportunity, and you know motive. Like you got all that shit. Yeah, but like with the chemtrails, it's like, well, what's the point? It's like, well, uh, you know, there's they're just doing it. It's like, right, well, no, like, right, because <laughs> like, of course why? they are because they're the evil empire. Right? Yeah, because, like, yeah, because they're the NWO. <laughs> right, like, and so why wouldn't they? That's just what they do. It's what evil people do. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. a very juvenile uh, way to look at the world. Yeah. Well, they're evil, so they're doing the evil thing. Right, they're plotting. Yeah, they can't yeah. help but plot. Yeah. Mm, nice. The Very nefarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, All right, anyway. man. Well, that was that was really good. I really liked that. That yeah. was that was suitably spooky and deranged and uh, yeah, fucking Halloween themed. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah. Happy. Uh, soon. I mean, soon. Yeah, I guess soon. This won't be In out a few on weeks. Halloween. This will be out before Halloween. Yeah. Th- this is coming. Uh, yeah. This will be out on what the eleventh or something like that. Uh. What's it today, Wednesday? Yeah, yeah, the eleventh is Monday. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be out on yes. the eleventh, yep. early morning on the eleventh. Yep. Yep. All right, cool. Well, well, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Aaron? I don't think so. I mean, I don't right. know. I, I, if I had anything, it's been so thoroughly eclipsed by how into that story <laughs> I was. That was really good. I completely forgot. I didn't write head. anything down. I just like had ideas, and now I'm. I did. I cannot stop picturing in like my yeah. mind's eye the guy. Just the airplane guy just jumping out of the roof and just like imagining the horror watching that. Oh, Woo. yeah, it sounds Woo. it sounds pretty fucked up and terrible. Yeah, it really All right, does. Well, yeah. So thank you for coming uh, coming with us on, on this journey through time and space, <laughs> <laughs> journey from a different dimension. Come with us now on a journey through time journey and through space. Time. The mighty boot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right well uh so thank you for joining us today as always we appreciate it um please uh rate and review us on apple Podcasts. helps with the algorithm Mm -hmm. uh tell your friends and family about us because we spread via word of mouth yeah we're purely word of mouth we don't do i mean we do a little bit of uh, instant listen uh social (laughs) media uh engagement but not yeah, much a little bit. and not much frankly we really rely on on folks to just sort of like tell each other about our show so we yep. we hope that you guys are liking it and um we would love 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 if you were able to help us out in any way that you can yeah just tell one other person about us or whatever yeah. yep. literally one other person who's a fucking nerd and yeah and we'll we'll do the rest 
Yeah, yeah, we'll, yes. We'll, we'll hook them in. Them into I mean, a, we'll mold them into one of our new listeners, our yeah, thralls. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, then uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Left on Red Pod. Uh, you can follow us at our personal accounts. Um, yeah, uh, so that's at Porfidalgo at Gluten Young, but you can just check the show notes for that. Yeah, yeah, we'll put that and, in the uh, show notes. Yeah, we usually do. I think we do that usually. usually. We do that every week. Not I usually. <laughs> it's We do it. I know that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, part of the, it's part in of the process. It's in All there. right, yeah, anyway, yep, so great. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for uh, joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. All right. Have a good night, guys. Peace. Peace.